0: And welcome into to Spartan Red Zone from Chicago. Big Ten Media Days, day two, July 19th here in Chicago. And Joe Dandrin alongside Trent Bally and Alex McRae. No Ryan Collins this time around. And no Aiden Hunt either. But, guys, we got to – I mean, hey, new crew, you guys did a great job yesterday. Thank day you. one, big Joel Klatt interview. Shameless plug for you guys there.
1: It was a um, ton of fun.
0: Check that out on the website. But, of course – Day one, guys, huge day, Michigan State, um, all of their media availability was obviously on day one. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was honestly, it was really crazy. It was very, like, packed. There was a lot going on. I'm trying to facilitate guys to you throughout the day.
2: So pretty cool
0: feeling. You know, how would you guys feel about the day?
2: It was, it was, It was a great day, honestly. The atmosphere in here, everyone's so kind of supportive. Uh, despite you know everyone's here for a different team, but you know we kind of keep that under wraps or whatever. But it's a good, it's a good time,
1: uh, and the players are great. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you know the guys around here are awesome. They're all supportive, just because I mean we are a student radio station. They've all been there. They know the grind. They know you know everybody has some uh, some problems, some issues. So they're all really supportive. The guys are all the players are all really understanding. Joel Klatt, even when we were having some audio issues yesterday, he was really cool with everything. It was awesome. I really, really had a great time.
0: Yeah, no, and that's. I mean, and that's my thing. You know, this. I like the event personally. Um, I enjoyed it yesterday. It was a good time. You get to really see the. Fr- it's really your first look since spring ball. I, I mean, for me, I. I mean, I wasn't able to be at the spring game for Michigan State, uh-huh. but you know, so it was my first time seeing Coach Antonio, um, and the three guys they brought along since then um since i was at spring training and you know and for everybody all the media out here it's their first look at all these teams and a lot of times it's the first time those teams have been with the media as well too so yeah. um yeah it's a really big event i mean you've got all the major conferences doing theirs this week big 12 sec acc um and so i mean i think it's a great event um i think it's something that you know i think it's just a lot of cool it's a good outlet for the athletes and it's a good athlete or a good outlet for uh People to get to know sometimes more about these people. I mean, obviously we talk about Raquan Williams yeah. being from Chicago, who was brought along with Michigan State. Very funny guy. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought great he,
1: great interview. Yeah, yeah I and that. I
0: thought I thought he was the star of the Michigan State media scene yesterday. For sure. Easily. I would um, and Joel, you wrote
2: know, a good piece about that, by the way.
0: And I and I think that he really enjoys that media attention, of course. Um, and he's a great player as well and an even better individual. Um, you know, at least in my experience talking to him. For so, sure. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, guys big I mean it's a big day it's our like I said first look at these teams so this conference um, obviously the dominance of some teams I mean there's gonna be a little bit of a power shift this year Urban Meyer leaves Ohio State Um, that's a big storyline this week Um, the commissioner actually is going to be stepping down as well and being replaced I think in the near future I'm not sure how close to that then but I know that was announced as well Um, and obviously Michigan State, U of M, making a documentary. BTN is going to be doing a documentary about the rivalry. I think it's called United We Stand. I saw something about that, too.
1: So Really excited for so, that. That sounds amazing. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's so about we,
2: time, honestly.
0: Yeah, so some cool news. And, I mean, yeah, so I guess we can just run down, you know, each division at this point. Um, what was your – I mean, we can start – let's start with Michigan State. Let's start with the big one. So what was your guys' feel – around this team i guess you know alex we'll start with you
1: yeah i i i found out that these guys are i mean naturally they're going to be really confident in everything that they're you know they're doing this year but they really are committed to bouncing back in 2019 after what was i mean nothing short of a disappointing 2017 i mean uh, 2018 sorry um but they they're all committed to coming back i mean joe bocce Rayquan Williams, Kenny Willekes, they're all seniors. They all came back after the bowl game. They said, one more go around. We all could have been pros, but let's, let's win and go out on the right note. So
2: when we were talking to Rayquan Williams, one of the biggest things that he hammered home was the togetherness that they bring every day. He said he really attributed that to their success against the run last year because I asked him several questions about that, and he, he kind of told me, you know, when you're together, it's not like we just sit around and we're like, hey, we're the number one defense in the nation. It's just it just happens when you're together and you bring that trust in. So I think for this team this year it's really going to be about sustaining that because I'm I'm of the mindset that the offense is going to take care of itself with Lowry coming back healthy and um, some you know D'Antonio shuffling the deck with play calling and whatnot. So I just think I think this team could really surprise some people. Um, you talk about the defense last year that was honestly one of the greatest defenses Michigan State's ever had. It's just the offense was so unable to move the ball that it really you know it the Spartans ended up average
0: yeah no and that's the thing is that Michigan State and they really got hammered about that offense too obviously we talk about the offense underperforming in comparison to expectations last season um and I mean of course they probably knew they were going to get hammered they didn't bring anybody from the offense which I thought was kind of funny but you know I do think that the defense obviously is going to be the strong suit once again um and I really liked hearing that from those guys you know they talked about the togetherness them coming back you know you saw after the Willikis injury it really he was really kind of forced to come back and obviously as much as you feel bad for someone like that it's an injury with the you know kind of draft his draft stock was rising at the time um you know may, the team itself will benefit from having a player oh, of sure. his caliber once again i mean, he's an all-american
2: and but. it could be a blessing in disguise for him too you know i he, i know he's excited to come back he's excited to play with these guys again give it one more go around so
1: uh that'll be that'll be very 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 fun to watch Especially this year, when you're looking at the top end defensive end talent in the Big Ten alone, with Chase Young and AJ Espinoza at Iowa, if he is able to lead this conference statistically in the major, you know, defensive end edge rusher categories, he could really, really help his draft stock, and that would just be huge.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is. And he might end up playing himself into a top 20, top 30 pick. You know, I mean, I'm not exactly sure. I know you did a lot of draft stuff. I don't know exactly what his ceiling was at the end of last year. But, yeah, you're right. It might help him.
1: Yeah, I mean, Um, last year I'm thinking he was probably, you know, a mid-day two pick kind of thing, late second round, early third round. Pretty much the same as Chase Winovich.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. So. Big year, and I remember and also a lot of people are talking about Willekes too, too. I mean, we had an O-lineman from uh, Alex from, Pelchelski, yeah, from Illinois on for when you guys are doing the interviews.
2: Absolutely called him out.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. and he definitely – he said he He said he wanted to – he's ready to face uh, Willekes. And, hey, I mean, you like it because, like you guys keep saying, to be the best, you got to play the best. So, right. And in the Big Ten, that's what you got to do.
1: Absolutely. that That is one thing I'll bring up as a concern for Michigan State, though, this season. Everybody here in this building – knows about Michigan State's defense. They know they're great. They're, they know that they were the number one rush defense in the country last year, and it would do nothing more to their pride than to go into Michigan State or have Michigan State come in and then just run for, you know, 150, 200, 300 yards on them. And that is something that Michigan State really needs to be prepared for because when they look back at, you know, their little chip-on-their-shoulder attitude that they've had when they have been able to jump up on people in the past, they aren't going to have that at least on defense. Maybe on on the offensive side of the ball, they can surprise some people. But on defense, national outlets are talking about them, local outlets are talking about them, regional outlets are talking about them. Everybody's talking about this Michigan State defense.
2: Absolutely. And on that note, um, you know, there's there's such high-end talent that the Spartans are going to go against this year in the backfield. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, who is a dark horse Heisman candidate, and I even got a chance to talk to Reggie Corbin from Illinois yesterday. And I asked him about Michigan State's run defense, and he said there's nothing he'd love more than to just put his feet in the ground and run hard against that against that defense and, and put up some numbers.
0: Yeah, so you see guys from yeah, all over the conference wanting to face that team, you know, at that running back position like Taylor, like Dobbins, like Corbin. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting um, because, I mean, that team, uh, the one question I have is, you know, how can they replace Willis and uh, Kari Willis who left for the, who got drafted by the right. Colts and then Justin Lane who got drafted yeah. by the Steelers. So. In the defensive backfield, I think they've got some young guys that are going to step in. Getting Josiah Scott back is going to be massive. They've got guys at every level of the defense.
2: Of course, and and you know, I just on that note, real quick, injuries were, like to tell, to tell the the fair full story last year, injuries really riddled the Spartans. Didn't didn't yeah. play well in their
1: favor. That's true. And, and even though Michigan State hasn't been great at recruiting in the last few seasons. Their defensive backfield recruiting has been phenomenal. They have a ton of great athletes back there, a ton of guys, a ton of real football players, guys who will be not, not be afraid to hit people, people who can you know, cover passes, everything. They have a lot of good defensive backs. I'm really not too worried about their defensive backfield.
0: No, I mean, that's the thing. So getting Josiah Scott is going to be big. I mean, having him for that full year and Josh Butler and him are going to be those starters. It's just, you know, that depth. How much depth do you have there? Xavier Henderson's going to be put into that starting role where Willis was, and that's going to be big to watch as well. There's probably still a Dowell on this team somewhere. David so Dowell, be, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're going to be playing. Um, so and
1: Michael, Michael Dowell, yes. on.
0: And th- so they'll be okay. We got it's two Dowells. It's just whether or not they are going to have. You know, I just don't know if it's that same level of play that you saw from guys in the past. Like, obviously, that's a big ask, but guys like Dark Westinard, Trey right. Waynes, you know. So, yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see in this defense. But hey, so we're just going to go down that East Division. Michigan, University of Michigan, losing some top-end talent on defense. Um, obviously, losing Winovich, Rashawn Gary, um, Devin couple, Bush, yeah, Devin Bush, David Long. Yep.
1: All all day day one or two picks in the NFL draft.
0: Yeah. So that and that defense was stacked last Absolutely. year with talent. And. In a lot of ways, they are talented enough where they can kind of get they're now at this point with recruiting, with hardball that they can reload. Um, and having Shea Patterson back is going to be massive, too. So going to be very interesting to see. So what do you guys think about Michigan?
1: I love them. Uh, I think, I, I mean, as a, a kid who goes to Michigan State, that, you know, sounds a little weird, but I, I think they have a great team. Their offensive line only lost one guy last year. They're only losing Karan Higdon in the uh, backfield and... Um, uh, Chris Evans won't be playing this year, but they have a lot of good wideouts because Peoples-Jones is going to be back, Colin and Nico Collins is back, and Tariq Black is finally healthy. I think they're going to be, uh, with especially with Josh Gaddis adding that, I think they're going to be very good on offense, and I don't think they're going to lose a whole lot of steps on defense.
0: No, and that offensive line, John Runyon, uh, Ben Bradison, Cesar Ruiz, Michael Owenyu, Andrew Stuber, like those all guys, like they had a ton of all Big Ten performers on that, along that line. John Runyon, one of the best in the conference at left yeah. tackle. So, you know, Shea Patterson is definitely going to have uh, the protection he needs to succeed in that offense because I think a lot of their success, especially without Karan Higdon this year, is going to be based around him.
1: Yeah, I think that matchup with uh, Michigan State's defensive line and this Michigan offensive line is going to be one of the most entertaining battles you're going to see all season throughout all of college football.
2: So when when you talk about this Michigan team, you, you guys both nailed the offensive line because that's honestly the key. You know, Like you said, they're losing a couple players in their backfield, but Michigan is blessed with this offensive line where you can just plug and play some guys. Jim Harbaugh has got this pretty much figured out by this point. Donovan Peoples-Jones, like you guys said, is one of the most dangerous threats in all the Big Ten. Uh, you can break off for ninety. Any you know any given play, and he's
0: not. And Nico Collins was the one putting up better numbers right. overall last year. Yeah, Every, everybody
1: everybody talks about Tariq Black and Peoples Jones, and Nico Collins just falls to the wayside. Nico Collins may be the best receiver on this team.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: He could he could potentially be even the best receiver in his conference at the end of the season. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I I, I
2: agree with that, but um, I I just think overall, you know, I think Michigan. They, they look good, and I, I, you guys nailed it. I think the offensive line is the key. The thing is they better win this year because um, I, I, I'm not, I think Jim Harbaugh's on the hot seat. I really do.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, and I, we talked about this, I remember, on the way here on Wednesday. Um, to me, it feels like a very, like, win, you know, like win now. Like you have to win now because if you're Harbaugh, I mean, how much, you know, like what, what else do you need to do? Beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten still hasn't done that, and I think that this is the year, if he's going to do it, Ryan Day's first year at Ohio State, this has got to be the one.
1: With, with uh, the World Series of Poker just concluding, I m- might as well make a reference. Jim Harbaugh needs to go all in on this season. Um, he's got the schedules in his favor. It's the first time he's returning a quarterback that isn't you know, Wilton Spate. I, I think with, with not losing, I mean, he's losing a lot on defense, but he's really not losing... His entire defense. He still has guys like Kalief Hudson on that defense. Leaders that are, you know, dominant football players in their own right. Well, Well, and and the culture culture they had,
2: the culture they had on
1: defense last year, you know,
2: that that carries over. Continuity is a thing in college football.
1: Yeah. Every everybody wants to look at the Ohio State game and say, oh, they can't cover crossing routes and whatnot. They were still a great defense. They still played very well, no doubt, throughout the entire season and they just look at the last two games of the season and they say oh well okay these guys suck now it's not the case they have a lot of talented football players and Michigan's defense is going to be just fine
0: no and I think I would totally agree with that and moving on to the now might as well the rivalry Ohio State losing Urban Meyer the next team up on our list finishing 13-1 and last season and Ohio State obviously so losing Urban Meyer losing Dwayne Haskins you know losing a lot of big pieces from that roster uh Nick Bosa obviously leading for the NFL how does this team respond didn't have the same recruiting class that we'd seen in the past under Meyer but still they still got a ton of talent on that roster what do you think they do to maintain that success this season
2: well you know just just to get about as vague as possible um it- they, they still have talent, like you said. They're a talented team. They're, they're the Ohio State Buckeyes, for crying out loud. They have recruits. they got kids who can play. they got a great culture there. They've got a great fan base. You know, I think they'll be all right. I do think they're going to digress a little bit, take a step back, just because you're losing one of the greatest head coaches this game has ever seen at the pro level or college. So um, that's something to just keep an eye on. But, you know, there will be a couple of growing pains for Ohio State in this, this shift. But um, I, I definitely by no means do I think they're going to be a bottom feeder in the Big Ten.
1: Oh no, I, I I think the floor for this team, maybe like eight and four, is probably the worst season they could have. Uh, but I see them more as a nine and three, ten and two team, which in Ohio State standards isn't great, right? It's it's not what you expect, but it's still a very good season in the end. The guy I'm most uh, worried about is Fields, their quarterback. I watched a lot of Georgia football last year. My roommate's a huge Georgia fan, so. I'm not sold on him as a passer. I saw a lot of him being used strictly as a runner, almost like how Tate Martell was used last year with Ohio State. And it will be up to Ryan Day to to get the most out of uh, fields.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that the offense that Urban Meyer had implemented, we saw the success he had with Braxton Miller. And although the success had its peak, um, I still think that, He's the right fit for this offense. I mean, that offense plays to his strengths. That's it's going to utilize his running ability. It's going to utilize the short passing game. He's not going to have to toss the deep ball. They changed the offense so Dwayne Haskins could do that because he was capable of Right. He was capable of throwing a 30, 40-yard post accurately. But, and he is not the same passer, obviously. Um, obviously, the NFL potential is there, but it's not because of his arm strength. So I think that the offense is going to be changed. They're going to shift some things probably around him. Um, you've got guys like KJ Hill who can run those crossing routes. You've got speed guys. Dobbins is a great receiver out of the backfield. So, going to be very interesting to see um, where this offense goes. Um, I think the defense is obviously the biggest question. Yeah, getting throttled by Purdue For was that sure. at, that was at Ohio State, I believe. Yep. Yes. Um, and obviously Rondale Moore totally went postal on that. Love but
1: Rondale Moore. Great, yes, great. Player.
0: Big Rondale Moore fans here, but you know that's the
2: Maryland a, game as well. Yeah. I mean, what was the score of that game? Fifty two to fifty three, something like that. Yeah, it is far too high. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Late in the season as well. Yeah. So so yeah, a lot of question marks on the defensive side of the obviously Chase Young, really great defensive end. But you lose guys like Kendall Fuller. Um, who you just lose a lot of depth in the defensive backfield. Fuller left for the draft. Um I believe they still they bring back um another one of the corners, I whose name is escaping me now, but um, so they bring back some guys.
1: Yeah, they, they do. Tough Borland is another name you need to yes. throw out there. He's a great linebacker. Yes. really love watching him play.
0: So it's going to be interesting to see how that defense reloads, especially this season, because um, I think that's the biggest question. But, hey, so moving on to another team in the East Division. Um, Penn I mean, State. Penn State, of course. James Franklin, they lose Trace McSorley, probably the biggest news, because Trace McSorley felt like he was there for seven years. Yeah. And Miles Sanders, who... Was, I, I, McRae, I think you said very underrated yeah, as a running back. He was
1: nothing short of electric at, at Penn State. I mean, you just need to watch the Michigan State-Penn State game where he essentially torched the number one run defense in the country. He was phenomenal. Nothing short of phenomenal.
2: As I look back, I, I believe that was one of the two games that Michigan State allowed a 100-yard rusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I think, and, uh, you know, I'm just a Lions homer here, but I think that Penn State's going to miss Amani Oruwariye in the backfield, uh, you know, at, he's a shut-down corner, very gifted, leader on the defense. It's going to be interesting to see who steps up and fills that role. Um, but, again, I've I i, I I've got Penn State. It, it's interesting because Mick Sorley was a guy who took a lot of heat or he kind of rolled how the how the game went, right? Like if the if the, if Penn State didn't do well, he would a lot of it fell on his shoulders a lot.
0: Which is how a quarterback, which is how that position. Yes. I mean, that's the nature of that position. Right at or the wrong. Same time. Yeah. Yeah, right or wrong. Um, you see it at every level. hmm You know, high school, college, professional. Absolutely. And, you know, but that's tough to replace that experience. Yeah. You know, and i to be mean, honest with you, Penn State really should have beaten Ohio State last season, yeah. and. Don't Sean. Dis-
1: don't discount uh, Penn State's losses on the offensive line either. I mean, it's they've lost a ton of talent, ton of talent.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's going to be interesting to see. And I don't I don't they they probably lost a lot of guys to your graduation, the draft. Yep. And now you've also got a new quarterback, Sean Clifford, only appeared in four games with only 195 total yards in those four games, and nine career games or nine games last season for Ricky Slade, who was I believe the backup to Miles Sanders. So. Two guys who don't have a lot of experience being the guy at their position, um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they respond, especially with a team who is so highly scrutinized by its fan base. And so, I mean, Penn State fans are nuts. Yeah. I've been, that stadium was one of the craziest sports environments I've ever been to, and to see two young guys like this, obviously someone has to step in eventually. It's you know you're never always going to have experience, but it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to the pressure that being the quarterback and running back combo at Penn State does, especially with how much talent they've had the past couple years with Barkley, Sanders, and McSorley.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. Penn State, to me, is one of the biggest wild cards, if not just in the Big Ten, but in the entire country.
0: And getting K.J. Hamler back is going to be big
1: for this oh, team, yeah, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's big. He's an elite wide receiver. But um, he at Penn State, I could see... Missing the bowl, like missing the bowl season entirely, going like five and seven, or I could see them being completely dominant and replacing those guys and maybe even getting better talent in there and going like ten and two. I I just I don't know how to how to judge Penn State. I, I don't. think
2: of all the teams that we've talked about so far, this one falls. I mean, there, there's a spectrum here. Like Alex, you just said they, they could they could be a, a nine and three team and they could not win five games. Yeah, we don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, and I think a lot of it is because of, like you said, Joe, just the the lack of experience.
0: Yeah, and I think it's. I mean, and, and Penn State really was not, and to say this is, to me is you know surprising, but they were nine and four last year, and that was like below expectations. Right. Because nine and four is a pretty good season. Like, oh, it's a great for season for most programs. For, yeah. But that's Penn State. That's mm-hmm. that. That's that. You know, that's that university. That's the pressure that comes along with it of having that dominant team and ha- always ha- being at the top of the. Big Ten. I
1: mean, another thing is, I mean, their their stadium is massive, right? I mean, they have to continue to f- fill those seats, so the only way to do that is to win.
0: Exactly. And Beaver Stadium, which also seems like the oldest, it seems like you're like when you walk in there, like you're walking to a steel mill, like that's what it felt like in the concourse. I was Very like, p- I fitting it was,
1: for Pennsylvania. I thought it was
0: a factory when I first walked in. Um, but hey, but a great food at Penn State too. I'm gonna say that. Oh, I'll believe it. Um, but next up on our list, Maryland. Maryland, who went three and six in conference last year, five and seven overall. Um, do I don't believe that they made a bowl game. You know, obviously the preparation was very strong with me today. So, um, <laughs> I so Maryland five and seven last year. Yeah,
1: you, you got to win six to make a bowl.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, I know because I know some five. Didn't some five and seven teams
1: get in at some point? It's weird how they do that sometimes. It's, it's happened. happened I've, I've seen it it happen. Happen. before. I've yeah. seen six and six teams not make it. I've seen five and seven teams. So make it. So it's a possibility. It. Yes, but
0: they're if they did. You know, if Maryland goes 5-7, and seven, they probably are in the Popeyes, Bahamas, whatever, chicken yeah. bowl or whatever. Right,
1: yeah. playing Eastern Michigan down in the Bahamas.
0: Yes, so – and they went 1-5 in the East Division too. So, I mean, new coach with Maryland. Um, they return a really good running back. So, going to be interesting to see, you know, where what's this team's identity?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is the addition of Josh Jackson at quarterback. I think uh, he's a legitimate passer. I think he he can – Sling the ball around and you know twenty-five
0: beat. touchdowns at Virginia Tech.
1: Yeah, I think he's Last a season. he's a legitimate threat. I think Maryland could be a could really sneak up on some people this year. I I don't think they win more than seven, maybe even eight games if they have a good non-conference. But I I think Maryland has a ton of talent. I mean, you look at Anthony McFarland as a redshirt saw. I mean, as a redshirt freshman, had over a thousand yards with seven point nine yards per carry. The only thing I'd like to see him improve on is maybe his receiving. Other than that, I mean, you can't ask for better than 7.9, especially, 7.9 yards per carry.
0: Especially from someone as young as McFarland. Um, Josh Jackson, who I really liked at Virginia Tech, I think he's really good. I think that's going to be huge because this team finally has a guy. Because quarterback play, we've talked so much about quarterbacks so far. It's so important in this conference.
1: Oh, most certainly. I mean, Maryland has had maybe the worst luck with quarterbacks since joining the Big Ten because I remember a few years ago, they were, like, going five or six deep. They had, like, a backup inside linebacker starting at quarterback at some point during the season. Like, it was insane. And then this team somehow manages to beat Texas two years in a row, a a very good Texas team. I think Maryland has a ton of untapped potential. They're a very good team, in my opinion, very scary for – really anybody in the East. They could jump up and beat pretty much es- essentially anybody.
2: For Maryland, I just think the addition of Josh Jackson is huge in this regard. You have a guy yeah, now has who's to be. He's proven that he can step back and make that throw in that moment in that game. And that's something that Maryland football has not had since they entered the Big Ten. So I think you can see this as a, as a year that maybe Maryland can compete and say, hey, we belong here. And, and you, you pair – josh jackson's play with the run support of an anthony mcfarland who rushed for 100 yards four times last year rushed for 200 yards twice uh he's a guy who can just you know drive the ball down the field and that's that'll take pressure off a guy like jackson and that'll help propel maryland to wins because they're putting points on the board
0: yes and so next up indiana indiana not a ton once again we're going back to quarterbacks not a ton of continuity at that position uh, Peyton Ramsey, who turned it over 13 times with inter- 13 interceptions um, last year, but almost threw for 3,000 yards and almost 20 touchdowns. Michael Penix tore his ACL last year. So going to see. be interesting to see who wins that because there, there was a lot of conversation about who's going to start at this team. Um, they've got to figure that out. And like I keep saying, quarterback play is so important in the Big Ten. I feel like it's, you know, with the things, I mean, like any conference, I feel like of any conference, Quarterback play carries you more in the Big Ten than maybe at least in my feelings that you see in like the ACC or the SEC, because um, you look at LSU, who had uh, the transfer from Ohio State at quarterback, Bo,
1: or not Bo Burrows, but uh, was it Bo- wasn't Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow,
0: Joe, Burrow. Joe yeah. Burrow, and he was serviceable for an LSU team who was extremely competitive. Right? Right. Yeah. You who know,
1: three losses? They they beat one of the, I mean, a, a very good Georgia team. A Georgia team that a lot of people said should make the. CFP right win or lose
2: against Alabama at the end of the season that was interesting yeah yeah
0: so Indiana um I mean I don't know what are your guys thoughts on that team obviously Indiana kind of out of our realm of things but still you know what are your guys initial thoughts
1: I think Indiana is going to probably miss a bowl again this year but I really like what Tom Allen has built at Indiana he always has a solid running game he always has a solid defensive line it's just his offensive line is always I mean okay his quarterback play has never been great and his defensive backfield has always been a little suspect but I think Indiana will you know be a very you know mediocre Big Ten East team I, I don't really see them beating anybody other than maybe Rutgers
0: yeah and it's gonna be interesting to see what Tom Allen does with this program um Indiana who only won two games in the conference went five to seven went five and seven um three and four at homes so, I mean this it's it's just it's a basketball school at least in my opinion so there's just never been that same emphasis on the sport of football in Indiana so it's just uh you know it's just interesting to see you know where's this team going to go you know because I feel like a lot of questions with the especially the low end of that east division is what is the identity of this team and uh Indiana needs to find that out because they used to be an offensive showcase but not anymore so hey next up Rutgers which Rutgers we have talked a little bit about and apparently is the birthplace of football as well. And I remember
1: I was kind, writing kinda something. Kinda sorta. Kinda sorta. Well,
2: I think isn't it wasn't that the first college football game was won by Rutgers?
1: Is that is that well f- accurate? Um, they played the first college football game before football was technically invented. Right. So and they won.
0: So what'd they use for a football? I think. It,
1: it was a, essentially a, a total it was it was essentially rugby. That's pretty much what did it was. Did you say a pig?
0: I did. No, that would that, that would be awesome. Like a pigskin, that's what made me think. Of. Oh yeah, that'd be great. what we
1: think of as modern day football didn't really originate until the 1890s, and they played in 1869 in Rutgers. So I don't really think it's
2: and that's the last time they were a good program. Yeah,
1: it's it's kind of just a combination. Uh, actually, it was when they had the McCordy twins a few years ago. Okay, all right, but um, fair. Yeah, don't let's let's throw some respect their way. Patriots
2: McCordy, hey, shout on, out Ryan Collins, on. the yeah. rack. You know, I really miss Ryan Collins right now. I kind of really? wish he was. In- yeah, yeah. Well, that, man. Collins, I'm sorry I'm ruining your brand by being on Spartan Red Zone.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Ryan Collins, we know you love Rutgers if you're ever going to listen to this. So, hey, shout out the Rack, Rutgers Athletic Center, I think. I don't even know. 1 11 overall Sounds at right. the end of last season, though. How can Rutgers improve from last year? Win more than one game. Moving on.
2: Yeah.
0: The West yeah. Division. Enough said. Illinois. Illinois. Brandon Peters, big transfer.
1: Yeah, I I think I think Illinois could. Their ceiling is maybe like six and six, seven and five. I think they, they could make a bowl game. They can scare some people. Uh, I really don't think they have you know enough talent to win the West, which I mean is essentially wide open. But, I think. Uh, Talking to Alex Pelcheski yesterday, he uh, he really had some some praise for Brandon Peters, and they have a, a USC transfer at wide receiver. He didn't mention his name. I'm not really sure of it. You know, great preparation here, but uh, I I think I think Illinois could be a very average Big Ten West team.
0: And you talk about that USC transfer. You know, there's some things with the transfer portal. Maybe it's not yeah. technically official. Yeah. So uh, going to be you know it might be kind of uh he's not able to say whatever yeah but so yeah alex pelcheski obviously had high praise for the team lovey smith's beard also got whiter you're gonna say something
2: well i just i want to say i i actually like illinois this year um i think they're gonna be bowl eligible and i i and the reason i think that is because i think lovey smith he's i believe this is going to be his fourth season so he's finally got a field full of his guys um you know and he's he's an excellent coach Everywhere we heard yesterday, you know, with Pelcheski and I got to speak with Tyler, or uh, excuse me, uh, Reggie, Reggie Corbin, um, briefly, and they were just, you know, this Lovey Smith coached guys like Devin Hester, Brian Erlacher and he he believes in his guys, and they have really bought in, and I think that's a thing, and that that that's definitely something worth mentioning in college football, and I just think. Um, at this point, you look at the you look at the guys that he 's brought in um, they 've got some athletes they've got playmakers the, some of them are young, some are battle tested
1: but all altogether, I think they can do enough to win six games and be bowl eligible yeah I mean Palchewsky was talking about how you know his offensive line group has pretty much grown up together. They all came in as freshmen and now they're all juniors they're a lot more experienced they're a lot more battle tested. I think they they could greatly improve this year based on you know what they were last year, the year before, just pretty you know bottom of the barrel big 10 uh but i mean i love illinois's uniforms that's another thing they got yeah. going for them. but i would love to see illinois be able to return to their their juice williams and, and jay lemon days
2: i just really i really have faith in lovey smith and what he can do this year as a coach
0: yeah i mean i mean <clears throat> to me the beard itself is inspiring that it is I, i'm inspiring. still on that i'm
2: still on that it but, gives them a little edge i
0: mean four and eight last season you can only go up from there really and you have continuity at quarterback finally brandon peters is a guy who has a ton of talent
2: yeah Yeah, absolutely he
0: looked honestly like he looked really good at u of m and i think that he could be a really big piece for this team it's a
1: great addition for them yeah absolutely for a program to get a guy like that yeah i'm surprised they were allowed him to transfer in conference like that
0: yeah and then also be immediately eligible as well so illinois 2-7 Two and seven in conference last year, four and eight overall. Um, what are your guys' you know? So you said six and six. I would say probably about that same range. They're on that border of that bowl game,
2: and that and would be well, a successful season for them. They'd no, be happy with that
0: because Illinois has been trying to take these stepping stones to getting better for so long. Right. I think making a bowl game would be a huge jump. Seven wins would be massive for this yeah, program.
1: Just consistent improvement is what you have to hope for with that team.
0: Yeah, and Lovey Smith brings a lot of things to the table. Um, obviously, kind of phased out of the nfl after a while you know sometimes that happens and you return to the college game so um now like you said he's got a field full of his guys but moving we're going to go from the bottom to the top of last year's standings nebraska the Cornhuskers. scott frost who has been one of the stars of media days someone who everybody's just hounding and adrian martinez also some people talk about a, he has heisman adrian martinez put up wonderful numbers last year um I think believe I believe broke the Nebraska single-game passing yards record um, against Northwestern with about 350, 358 somewhere in that range. I mean, and he's incredibly talented. When he was healthy, that team was dangerous.
1: Yeah, I, I really like Nebraska this year. I think uh, one of the most underrated players in the Big Ten is Muhammad Barry, linebacker. I think he's a, he's a phenomenal. You know, he, he he's all over the field. We were just talking about that the other day with uh, Patty Fisher from Northwestern. He's the same kind of player where they just they're around the ball all the time, and I love those kind of guys. I think their offense is going to get better. I think Scott Frost is really bringing in a, I mean maybe not the best recruiting class in grade, but a good recruiting class in guys that will buy into his system.
0: Yes, and I think that's the biggest thing because that Nebra those Nebraska fans. I you know I was. Uh, I was up north, and I saw these two, this old couple from Nebraska, and we told them they went to Michigan State, and they were like, oh, man, watch out for Frost this year. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, they, they probably watched Frost in college. And they, they, everybody there loves him. So I think it's going to be big for the fans and the team buying into what Scott Frost is all about.
2: I, I think Adrian Martinez is the way, he's the way this team's going to go, and I think he's a stud, and he's capable of doing that. You talk about a guy who can, he's got an arm. Uh, he can run the ball 17 times against Iowa and only lose by three. You know what I mean? It's just it's, it's something to keep an eye on because when you've got a quarterback, I mean, if you, if you don't have a quarterback, you've got nothing, um, and especially in college. So I, I just think Martinez is going to lead this team to, to a pretty successful season. And
0: Frost is going to implement a system in the spread. He runs that spread, and it fits his skill set perfectly. It fits what Martinez is able to do. And he was a really big get for that program as well too. So. This is a
2: team that I think could win the West.
0: Yes, I, I think a lot of people are saying that because the West is so wide open is what people have talked about. Despite Northwestern really apart from uh Clayton Th- or Clayton Peyton Thorne. Yes. Losing Peyton Thorne at quarterback.
1: That's Clayton Thorson.
0: Clayton Thorson, thank you. And I'm getting all these quarterback names mixed up. You know, Northwestern to me is still the team to beat, but it's also the same time that two three spot is pretty wide open.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, um, I- are we moving on to Northwestern? Yes, we're, gonna, okay. we're moving yeah, on to I, Northwestern. Good segue. I love Northwestern's defense. Uh, Patty Fisher, Joe Gaziano, guys, we've we've talked about a lot. They are, you know, legitimate NFL prospects. Guys, who I could see being very good players at the at the next level, and I think they have a ton of talent. Um, they they get Hunter Johnson, the transfer quarterback from Clemson. It'll be interesting to see how he tran you know is able to translate into the Big Ten game. Uh, especially from not really playing a whole lot at uh, Clemson, if at all. I'm not really sure if he did. But I think they are set up for success, and I think Northwestern could be – should be the winner of the Big Ten West.
2: I was just going to say, I think they're favorites in the West for sure. Uh, at least that's how I would look at it. Um, you know, they're not losing a whole lot. They've got a lot of a lot of guys. Um, and I know I've said that about pretty much everybody. But, um, no, they, they – They've, t- they've made strides yes, every year. No, this
0: team This team has made strides every year under Fitzgerald, and I think that the school and the players have really bought in to his system, especially on defense because that defense was very good. And like McRae said, with those Graziano, those guys, they're, they're going to be very good once again. Um, it just can Hunter Johnson step into that position because he didn't play a lot at Clemson i mean i believe it was less than it was less than eight games that he appeared in passed for maybe three or four hundred yards and that's the thing is will he be able to step in i've heard good i've heard bad so it's going to be interesting to see where that goes as well um and moving on now wisconsin wisconsin the badgers jonathan taylor one of the biggest names right now talked about winning the heisman as well um could be one of the guys to get to 6,000 yards by the end of his junior year one of the ol- I think the only to do that uh Klatt talked about during your guys' yep. interview so can John this team is going to lean on Jonathan Taylor as Hornetbrook transferred to Miami so what does this team got to do uh, how can they manage Jonathan Taylor's load because can he handle another season where he's got to run for 2,000 yards
2: it's it's tough because any time you got any guy like that at any pos, any skill position, um, it's it's hard to duplicate that success two years in a row because teams start to figure you out and Let you alone gotta, three years in right, a row. Right, exactly. So um but you know, I mean at the same time he's a stud, he's gonna break it's kinda like how I you know, Saquon Barkley, granted he wasn't there as long, but it's just you he's got the he's got that firecracker in him. Any play could be, you know, to the house. And Joel Klatt sat here and talked to us about how he thinks that he's the best player in the big ten. You know, he's, he's the best player in the Big and, Ten, and could, you, yeah. could very easily win the Heisman. So um, anytime you have a guy like that, there's no telling what your team could really do. It's more about what the other guys do than him specifically. Yeah, I, I think about it, it's what happens
0: around him.
1: Yeah, I, I could see Jonathan Taylor um, being a lot like Le'Veon Bell in his last year at Michigan State, where the team around him just isn't very good, but he's electric enough to single-handedly essentially win them games. I don't think Wisconsin's going to be that great this year. I think their defense is going to take some steps back. I think their offense is going to be handicapped by starting a true freshman quarterback. It's
2: not a very good or deep roster. No.
1: That's their biggest problem. While I think Paul Christ is a good coach, I think he can coach guys up. I think he can develop his own guys. I think Jonathan Taylor, especially with all the losses on the offensive line, how great that offensive line was last year, it's going to be tough to replace those guys and tough to replace the production that Jonathan Taylor had last year is as good as I think he is, I think the the team takes a step back and I think he might take a little bit of a step back too, which would still be probably an eleven hundred yard season.
0: Which is very similar to what you kind of saw with Bryce Love. Yeah. I'm at Stanford. I mean he 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 was
1: hurt to be fair, but I I, I know what you mean. Yeah. But
0: he you know he took that step back and I and a lot of that was because man they drove him into the ground and that's kind of what I'm worried about with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah,
1: I, I mean if if I'm an NFL scout and I'm looking at Jonathan Taylor, and I see Wisconsin just running him 30, 35 times a game. I'm going to be a little bit concerned about how long he, you know, can be an NFL-caliber running back. Because right now, I think if he was, if he were to be eligible to be drafted last year, probably would have been the first running back off the board. I mean, I, I'd take him over Josh Jacobs any day. But uh, I, I think it's a little scary what uh, Wisconsin might plan to do with him this year for his long-term goals, at least.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think it's important to see who does he have behind him. Nikia Watson, you got Garrett Groshek in the backfield as well, backing him up. Can you get enough from those guys to keep him upright? Because you're going to have to run him a ton. Can you keep him upright for an entire 12-game slate and get into a big bowl game? Like, can you ride this guy enough to get to that 9-10 win mark? I don't think so. So yeah, that's gonna be the biggest question. I, I
1: agree with you, Joe. I think they're, you know, a seven and five, eight and fourteen.
0: Yes. And he probably still will run for two thousand yards. Yeah. So next up on the slate, we've got we're switching it back now from the going from the top, Iowa. Hawkeyes. Bigger Nate Stanley, who my roommate actually knows. Kinda of funny. Wisconsin native, my roommate Toby. So he knows him. Cool. Nate Stanley really really great quarterback gonna have a great senior year i think he could be a big 10 player the Year candidate when it's all said and done i think he's that good yeah, he
2: absolutely could just because the the landscape is kind of set up like that um he's going to be shouldering the load for the hawkeyes and uh especially you know losing two tight ends in last year's draft t.j Hoggison, and Noah Fant. um that's going to be tough to uh to replace that but if he's able to do that i mean that that if you look at, if you look back at the end of the season, you say that his numbers didn't drop off very much. It means that he did a very good job plugging and playing, um, and managing this offense. Yeah,
0: yeah. he's going to do a good job spreading the ball around because you talk about he loses. Hawkinson, who was a top ten pick, and um, the other tight end, Fan, yeah, yeah. Fan was top first round as well, I believe. So,
1: I'll say this: if if Nate Stanley can throw for over three thousand yards, up his touchdown numbers a little bit because he's had twenty six the last two years, which is great. But his completion percentage has been 55% his sophomore year and 59% last year. If he can up that to around 60, 63% between that window, I think he's a real NFL prospect at quarterback. And I love his arm talent.
0: Yeah, I think that he has the potential to play in the league. And I think that his, you know, it's going to rest on his arm. Everything that that offense does, it's going to rest on his arm. How How good can the defense be? How good can that defense be? Because that's what you've seen with past Iowa teams was that defense was really strong, and then they just had like a very serviceable players at skill positions on offense. So, big you know big year for Iowa too. They could be easily could win the West as well.
1: Yeah, um, I mean we talked about it before uh, with AJ Espinoza at uh, at Iowa at their defensive end spot. That guy is a legitimate top ten pick in the NFL right now. If you know if he were to come out, he would have been you know easily a first round pick but just because of how deep the defensive line draft was this year i think uh their defense should be should be pretty good
0: i would agree sorry i was yeah no no checking on something we all got
2: we all got things to do
0: hey so uh next up purdue who we all we all know how we feel about one guy in purdue rondale moore who i think is a national player of the year type guy um but purdue five and four in conference last year six and seven can they david blau is gone um you lose other guys too so can this team get much better
2: i think the ceiling is bull eligible really i mean i'm i'm not gonna say they're gonna suck but i don't think they're gonna compete very much i think they're gonna you're gonna see another five and four in the big 10 or four and five or maybe six and three in the big 10 but um yeah i i don't i personally i don't see purdue doing a whole lot this year
0: Yeah, I think you've got to find ways to get Rondale Moore the ball Yeah, because you don't have Blau, you don't have that connection anymore. You've got to do whatever you can to get him the right because he's your best
1: player.
2: And even if they do, I'm just not sure that it will be enough to translate to wins. To be
1: fair, Purdue does have a quarterback. They have Elijah Sindler, which is the guy who they started the season with last year. Blau wasn't the guy who started the first game against Northwestern. They replaced him with with Blau later in the season. But Sindler was the... uh, the guy who started the season, he's played a lot. He's, uh, I believe, either a fifth or sixth year senior. I think they could, they could. I think they could be seven and five, eight and four. I think they're a very, they're a team that could be very, again, average. I, I think they, you know, they finished middle of the pack in the West.
0: I would no. I think that's their ceiling. I think their ceiling is that six and seven. You know, six, seven win range. I think is where we're going to see purdue once again yeah. and i think but i would i do like more enough i think more is one of those guys that's like he could potentially be in that heisman conversation if he put because he had one of the best receiving in terms of receiving statistics he had one of the best years in big 10
2: you know oh yeah memory. it's yeah. just for me it's a matter of can they get him the ball consistently yeah
0: will he be able to match that 110 plus receptions you know, and maybe push to that 1,400, 1,500-yard mark.
2: Especially when he's going to be getting hammered by D-backs.
0: Every, every time. Double they're gonna, coverage. They're, they're right. going to be pressing, double coverage. They're going to do everything they can to keep him from getting the ball. So what ways can you make sure he has an effect if it's yeah. returning kicks, running, doing, getting some reps at running back, you know, running some option stuff. He so. would
1: love Dave Warner in the jet sweeps, let me tell you. I, would, oh, uh, yeah. I was just going to say jet sweep. So,
0: I mean, yeah, and he's – and I think he's also a legitimate NFL kid, too. So going to be oh, e-
1: easy, easy. really cool to see where he Great goes from here. Prospect.
0: So I think we're down to one last team in the West.
1: Row the boat, baby.
0: Minnesota. That program, 9-4 and four last year, which I was super surprised. Yeah. Or 9-4 yeah. and four in 2016. Oh, man. That was before P.J. Fleck was there, right. right? Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: P.J. Fleck, row the boat. He also has been one of the stars of
1: media days. Everybody's they went to a about. bowl game last year. So I didn't,
2: yeah. You know. P.J. Fleck is an incredible speaker. He's an incredible guy in general. Yes. Um, his players have bought in. I feel very similar to him as I do with Lovey Smith, and that's why I think Minnesota is going to be successful this year. Um, Alex and I had the privilege of talking to Carter Coughlin, uh, an edge rusher, and he just basically talked about the roll-the-boat philosophy and how it goes beyond just football, and you got to think about how it relates to your life on the field and off and in the locker room and out of it. And I just think that this team has a togetherness that – in a, in a wide-open West in the Big Ten, they can do enough to string together some wins. And, um, you know, Coach Fleck is a great coach. I think we're going to continue to see this program rise to the top,
1: um, yeah. quite honestly, out West. And this is the year where
2: you maybe say, wow, they really took a
1: step. I, I think with, with Fleck, you have to give him some time because his first year at Western Michigan, he went 1-11, on right? Hit, you need to get his guys in there, the people that buy into his system, the guys who grow up in his system, you need those guys to develop – and I think that Minnesota can be a very scary team for some people. Again, I think their ceiling is the you know, the 6, 7, 8 win range. But I, I, I can't help but say I, I just love what they're doing there. I think they're going in the right direction. I think that there's a lot to like about this program. Without a doubt, Minnesota's trending up.
0: Oh, yeah, big time. P.J. Fleck, like you said, great guy. And that was my biggest question is can he replicate the same type of Like, just phenomenon that that program, like that Western team, was captivating at a national level.
1: It was much. It was must-watch football. You had you had to pay attention to the Western Michigan Broncos, which was the first time that you could ever say that in college football history. Probably,
0: yeah. I mean, and that team very nearly took down a Wisconsin team, a very
1: very good Wisconsin
0: team. Yeah, in in twenty in twenty fifteen. Correct? That was the year they went. 2016. 2016. 13-0. And then they had a great roster. Corey Davis was a top-ten pick. Yeah, he went to the Titans, I believe. Titans at number five
1: that year. Career Um, leader in uh, yardage for the entire NCAA. Right. And they had
0: one of the best quarterbacks in MAC history as well. They just had a very stacked. They had, You know, one of their corners is now with the Eagles. He's a Muskegon guy. So that's the thing is that team, can he, like, get those? And when he was at Western, he was able to pull a lot of the talent. From that west side of the state. Oh, I felt he,
1: like. he he built that team around local guys, guys yeah. that it was a
2: homegrown yeah. team for sure. Yeah. Guys
1: that a lot a lot of them were overlooked by the bigger programs like Michigan, Michigan State, even other MAC schools like Central and Eastern. He he pulled guys from places that really weren't typical spots where you'd go to find division one football players
2: and and when you have that kind of team when you have that kind of roster homegrown they're all from that's how you know it's not just a perfect storm it's not coach Flett getting lucky this is a culture that he's built he's gotten guys to buy in um and he he's just he's he's gonna look to do the same thing at minnesota and i really believe he will
1: the thing is if you buy into his program you you learn to love him as, as a coach and a mentor he's just a, a great guy. Everybody speaks wonders of him, and I, nothing, I, I, I can, I can't say anything bad about him.
0: No, and I think that I think that is the same sentiment that everybody would give as well. Um, I remember hearing Fleck speak during his breakaway session here. Um, he said, "You know, leaving Western Michigan was one of the hardest decisions I ever made," and I think it's going to pay dividends because you can't if if you go have that kind of year at like at Western. If he stayed another year, they might not be that good because they lost a lot of talent, and they might not be that good. And then he wouldn't be able to get that Big Ten job, which is such a huge step for a guy like that to go from. So many people go from the MAC to the Big Ten. That's such a big step.
2: Well, Uh, and absolutely, just the um, he
1: he loved Kalamazoo and Western Michigan. He loved what he built there. And the people around there, it it was it was his home. You know, every everybody was. It felt like a family for him.
0: Yeah, so that's that's the thing is, like you said, you can't say anything bad about him. So we're ending on a big high note here with P.J. Fleck. Obviously, great guy. I, you know, I think everybody would say that, too. So that does it pretty much for every team in the Big Ten. That's everybody we've gone over, I believe. Am I missing anybody? Yeah, good stuff. So. No, that's it. So, yeah, we've ran through the East and West divisions of the Big Ten. Let's just, you know, before we wrap it up here, let's just give our – Who do you guys got in that Big Ten title game? You know, if you had to pick today who you got, it's tough.
2: It I, is very tough.
0: I would say I'm going to go Michigan-Northwestern, personally. I think Michigan, it's their year. They're going to win the Big Ten.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because I think there's a big power shift in the Big Ten this year. What do you guys
1: think? I say, you know, I, I, I got to agree with Michigan. I mean, they're just set up so well. You, it, it's hard to pick against them, honestly. And I'm going to go... Let's see this is tough it's tough the west like we've said it before the the west is wide open you know i think i think i gotta go with uh with northwestern as much as i you know hate to just agree with joe and not you know change it up a little bit i just i love what they're doing there i think no Pefus illinois tri- the
2: big 10 title
1: and uh, unfortunately um i i can't be that bold
2: well my i'm gonna be bold I'm not gonna be that bold, but I'm gonna be bold because my buddies on the Motown rundown know that I do this all the time. I got Michigan state against um i'm I'm gonna say Nebraska I'm gonna give you two okay. teams that I think have legitimate shots at making the title game and i I just think we're gonna see it. I think Michigan state's defense is gonna be first in the country again. I think Brian Lorricke coming back healthy is gonna be great and and I guess my my thing against Michigan is they we talk about all the talent they lost on defense, right? And you, you look at some of these potent offenses around the, around the Big Ten East, and I just, I just believe Michigan might not win quite enough games as everyone thinks they will. We're going to have to see. I, I, like I'm saying, I step out on a ledge. I do this all the time. I do it with my Lions. I'm doing it with the Spartans right now. But I think the Spartans and Coach D'Antonio are going to bounce back. I think it's now or never, really, for, for D'Antonio, because we talked about it on our four-hour drive here um, to Chicago um, is D'Antonio on the hot seat if they don't win this year, you know, after shuffling the deck and the coaching staff. Anyways, all that aside, I think Michigan State's positioned to make a run this year. And Nebraska with Adrian Martinez, I just like what they've got going. And in a wide open West, like you said, I think it will be one of Northwestern or Nebraska, and I'll just pick Nebraska because you guys pick Northwestern.
1: Final That's, score of your game? 9-6. And I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> it.
2: That would, that would be
0: some, That would be a sight to see. And that's the thing is, Michigan State, if, I mean, if we're thinking, okay, let's just be, I'm going to th- speak realistically here in terms of Michigan State's opportunity to make the Big Ten title game. It honestly is not out of the question.
1: because I w- No, have, I-, I-, I wouldn't say it's out of the question at all.
0: No, because if you look at the health of Brian Lewerke and how important that was to their success in 2017, right? if he's able to maintain health, the entire year and a replicate mm-hmm. only quarterback in msu history to throw for 2500 and rush for 500 more
2: yeah you that's know. that's that's incredible at a program like this and the thing is is when when you look at lower 2018 last year it was, it was a brutal year but it wasn't just lower It was across the board on offense you can't yeah. blame it on one guy and and especially when there's such a foggy foggy details with a shoulder we don't know when he hurt it we don't know really how bad it was we just know that he could not throw the ball. It was a throwing shoulder for crying out loud, you know, and you got a guy like Rocky Lombardi. You can't just throw him into the fire. Granted, he got some good experience, and um, but, you know, I mean. pay
0: dividends then. It,
2: it will, but, you know, that was that last year. But 2017, the success that the Spartans had going to Ann Arbor and beating Michigan, you know, things like that. I just think that a, a healthy Brian Lewerke paired with the best rush defense in, in the entire nation, let alone the Big Ten Conference, um,
1: that's going to that's gonna aid the Spartans well in the end. I, I will say this. If we looked at the outcomes of the games last year and statistically gave Michigan State an average, a very average, the definition of average offense, like the 60th ranked offense, right. they would have at least gone 11-1. I
2: totally agree with you because the Spartans scored 18 points per game yeah. and their defense held, held teams to 17 points per game. The defense is holding other teams to three scores per game. Not even scoring once each quarter. That 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 defense was all time great, quite frankly, last year. So, um, if they're able, if they're able to duplicate that, be even top five, and the offense can make strides again, then well, I, I think the Spartans can do big things. That's my case. That's my case for the Spartans. And I'm off my soapbox
0: now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Is that uh, big Michigan State, according to Trent Bally, may potentially make the Big Ten title game, which against Nebraska. So, Trent, I would uh, implore you to. Uh, put money down on the odds for that right now <laughs> yeah.
1: you know what he could be I'll a big winner i'll do some looking i'll do some because
0: looking. i want to we need to go on the vegas sportsbook and see the odds for that yeah. today because uh i have a feeling that you could win a lot of money if that happens yeah, we'll, so see. we'll see what happens that, that's my opinion though so i'm gonna <laughs> that's just my take so hey of course guys it's been a great time here you guys have done a great job um obviously ryan collins you know i don't know where you are You probably i don't know golf and whatever but
2: He's so, having a great time, whatever yeah. he's
0: doing. So great got, great job both days today. Obviously Thank breaking you. down the Big Ten Conference now that we're at Big Ten Media Days here in Chicago. I'm Joe Dandron alongside Trent Bally and Alex McRae. We're gonna wrap it up here. Spartan Red Zone. This is the Big Ten Media Days special. We'll see you next time. We're gonna be back in August for the start of Michigan State season. That'll be the next time we're up with it here. So Joe Dandron, Trent Bally, Alex McRae. Alec, Alex. Alex Man. I
2: called him Alec yesterday as well. So <laughs> we're, we're one and one. Alex okay. McRae.
0: This is Sparring Red Zone. We'll see you guys next time.